Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. I'm one of your podcast co-hosts, Jeff Finn, and you can find me at Talking ACC Sports on Twitter. Um, the moderator for the podcast is Matthew, and you can follow him on Twitter at HokieSmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces you to our guest. So welcome to this week in the Atlantic Coast Conference. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. And you can follow me on Twitter at at Smash underscore ASD. Our site Twitter account is at allsportsdacc. And this week we have a... Great return guest and Brian Sigler, who you can follow on Twitter at, at SEIG5052. Again, that's at SEIG5052. He is one half of the Virginia Tech football podcast, The Boundary Corner. And that their site Twitter account is at Boundary Corner. Brian, welcome back. It has been one year, really, since you've been here. I mean, I looked at the calendar, and you were on on September 12th last year. We're happy to have you back. Tell us about yourself, Brian. The floor is yours, friend. Welcome back. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me back. It's been a uh, kind of a whirlwind uh, 24 hours for me. Uh, I was in Blacksburg yesterday uh, taking in the game against Boston College, uh, got back home at about 4 a.m. Uh, I'm in Richmond area, so I'm running purely on adrenaline at this point. Um, but I'm excited to get back on here with you guys, talk some uh, some ACC football, and see what this uh, upcoming week's going to bring for us. So, I mean, let's get right into it. Let's review ACC football week two. Who was the most disappointing team? Which ACC football team was the most disappointing team in week two? And who was the most impressive team in week two? The floor is yours, Brian. Thanks. Yeah, so for me, when I was I was wavering back and forth thinking about this, um, you know, UNC looked very lackluster, but again, they've they pulled out the win. So I've got to look at UVA with this one, and I'm not trying to dunk on a rival here. Um, but, you know, not so much that they lost to Illinois, um, but looking at how the strength of, of their team, which is their passing attack, had a pretty rough day against, you know, not really an overly impressive Illini defense. They're, they're, they're solid, but they're not necessarily um, elite. And, and they really slowed them down and, and gave them a lot of problems. And I think that was a game that that they could win um, even on the road like that. So I think that was a, that was a tough loss for them to take and, and definitely a disappointment for them going forward for their season. I, I think there's some truth to that. I agree with you. I, I, uh, you know, I, it's hard for me not to uh, not for, not for me to talk about BC a little bit here. Because they, uh, but they they have lost a ton of talent, right? So it's hard for me to dunk dunk too much on on BC because l- last year Jeff and I, you know, we do the we 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 run all sports discussion, right? Which is a a ACC centric blog. We look at the entire conference. Yeah. And last year, we made a case for BC basically having 
four of the top five spots on the offensive line, right? I mean, that they, they lost a ton of talent at Boston College. And a lot of those starters that played last year were like, you know, guys that were fifth-year fifth players. These guys were working on their graduate degrees. Some of them were working on their second graduate degree. Yeah. And as Jeff pointed out before, too, BC also lost um, – they're one of their top uh, top offensive linemen before the season even started. So I can't. It's hard for me to dunk too much on BC. They didn't. They didn't play. They didn't. But they didn't have offensive line play like they had in years past. And I, I mean, and I remember asking this question on Twitter, and you responded to it right away, almost right away, because normally, you know, we saw Virginia Tech's performance the week before. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't have a podcast the week of that ODU yes, game. Yes. Thank, thank heavens. Otherwise, I would have probably. I probably. <laughs> I would have stepped out of my ACC ad and been a little homer and kind of been a little more critical of Virginia Tech, uh, uh, critical of Virginia Tech, right? But, you know, it was, you know, they they probably, they, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I can't dunk too hard on BC because of the talent, of the talent that they lost. And it's probably fair for me to say that, right, right Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think their defense played pretty well overall. They gave up a couple big plays here and there in the run game and then a big uh, bomb down the field to Caleb Smith that really were the kind of the two big offensive plays that got most of uh, the Hokies' uh, offensive points there. Um, but they just – they're not – I mean, you know, this is a team that has historically been one of those, you know, offensive line U-type uh, yes. Like schools going along with, you know, Wisconsin and Ohio State and a couple others. Notre Dame probably is in that discussion as well. Um, and it's just not that. I mean, between what they lost to graduation in the NFL, losing Mahogany before the start of the season, uh, they were really – their most experienced offensive linemen to start the season had played two games – and he went down at one point during the the the, the matchup last night. So um, they they are definitely struggling uh, up front, and I don't see any sort of quick fix for them. And that's going to limit what Jerkovic and Zay Flowers can do in that offense because they just don't have enough time to to operate. That's excellent analysis. Excellent analysis. So let's go to the flip side here. Who was the most impressive team for for in the ACC uh for week two and you can say a couple of candidates there were some really good performances I thought here uh I thought here in the last week yeah I mean and I could make a case for my Hokies here um bouncing back but just as you said there are some flaws in that BC team that I, I probably won't quite go there yet but to me the most impressive has to be Duke um they look significantly improved over the team we saw last year They've got a little bit more of an edge to them on defense than we're used to, and they've been more efficient on offense. They're not necessarily running the score up or anything, but you know, I think if they can remain efficient like that, they're going to get a few more wins than I think any of us anticipated at the start of the season. So they've been my pleasant surprise. They were they were there, you know, last week, and they were again uh, there this week. You know, we'll see how what type of team Northwestern is going long term. You know, we probably you know, jump to, uh, okay, well, this is a Northwestern team that, that, you know, beat Nebraska, but now we know Nebraska is not really anything to write home about. So what does that even mean? And what does that mean relative to the Duke win? But it's still impressive for them to go out there and win the games on their schedule. Cause that was something we thought they were going to struggle with, I think, to start the season and they're not there yet. 
That's outstanding analysis, Brian, and I agree with you 100%. And it was also fair. I mean, it was fair for you to say that Virginia Tech and Louisville both had good turnarounds from last week, right? Because Louisville, Louisville got kind of got smashed by by Syracuse, and I, I honestly did not expect that. I mean, and, and they got whooped on pretty good there the week before. Virginia Tech probably had had was really defeated by its own mistakes when it played Old Dominion and it kind of in it you know I made the point on Twitter that Virginia, that Virginia Tech really turned it around from that point like there's so much parity in the ACC right now that if you can win this battle of mistakes if you're not turning the ball over if you're not penalizing yourself you can keep stay in a lot of games it was the key that's been the key for Wake Forest over the last last several years here to be a really disciplined team. They had a great performance against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt yesterday as well. And I, I mean, shout out to the Deeks for going in, go, you know, going in there and playing some pretty good, pretty good football against, against Vanderbilt. Uh, they've kind of built something pretty, built something that might be sustainable at Wake Forest. I think they've done a, done a good job there. Jeff, yeah, I think they can do a good job of staying kind of in that top half of the conference and then kind of, you know, occasionally punching up and getting one of those, uh, you know, trips to the ACC championship game just because of, you know, they, they don't necessarily recruit well, but they recruit really well to what they do well and how they want to operate. And they develop probably as good or better than almost any, any school in the country. And I'd put them right there at the top in the ACC for sure. Uh, from a developmental standpoint, so yeah, they're always going to be in the discussion. They may not have the best team out there, but they're they're going to be a tough out, um, especially when they've got a quarterback like Hartman. And you know, he didn't even get a full week of practice this week, it seems, but he's he's back out there. So, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what they can do the rest of the season too. Outstanding analysis. I just sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That's my bad. Sometimes you can't tell it like in a pandemic environment, right, or a podcast environment. So anything, Jeff, buddy, I'm going to turn the show over to you, man. All right, thanks, Matthew. All right, Brian, which ACC team? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Which ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in Week Three? Uh, for me, it's probably going to be the Miami uh, Texas A&M game this week. Um, a couple reasons there. Miami is really looking like a potential coastal favorite, and then you've got A&M who I like to call the UNC of the SEC. Uh, they're coming off a letdown to App State at home. They're consistently, you know, that team that loses those, you know, three to five games every year when they're talked up to be, you know, it, it, this is their year type deal. Um, so I think this is a big game for both squads because it really becomes almost a, a must win for, for A&M if they want to kind of stay in that discussion, even though this isn't an SEC um, you know, conference game for them. Um, but when we look at Miami, that would really kind of push them up to that edge of being in those college football playoff discussions kind of early in the year to go along with, you know, a team like Clemson and then uh, you know, NC State if they can um, not have any setbacks like they did in the in the early part of the ECU game. All right. And hats off to, to Appalachian State going down into uh, College Station and knocking off Texas A&M and, and I think really exposing the offensive deficiencies uh, they have on that team. And 
you know, uh, when you look at Texas A&M, I mean, where they, they pay an $11 million, $10, $11 million a year for Jimbo Fisher just to underachieve every season, uh, stunning upset. So like you said, Brian, it's, it's a big opportunity for Miami to go down there and, and knock them off. And, and in a game that earlier in the year, you said, Hey, if Miami goes and play what's well, um, you know, but doesn't necessarily have to win the game. And now, you know, they should go in there thinking very much that they can knock off Texas A&M. Yeah. And A&M kind of, I think had the same mindset as well. You know, they felt like, you know, either way that game went, as long as it was close, you know, it, it might not look that bad on the resume, but coming off a, a loss to Appalachia State at home, this is a big one for them now, right? So it's kind of it's 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 big both ways. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. All right, and um, uh, Matthew, you've got something to add here. Yeah, let me take my let me take myself off mute here too. I mean, no, just just. Perhaps a low-key matchup I'm looking forward to because uh, Florida State's going on the road to Louisville. That's from Friday, uh, this upcoming week, and I think that's I think that's going to be a I think that's going to be a heck of, I think that's going to be a heck of a I think that's going to be a heck of a game because Florida State has an opportunity to be three and zero, and they may start making some noise about getting back into the top twenty five. Top twenty five, maybe. What do you all think about that? Yeah, there's definitely potential there. I think that's that's one of those kind of interesting games of of a you know a, a, a team that we thought you know could be a little better um, in in Florida State this year. They they seem to be better so far, um, but there's still a lot of prove it games that they need to show uh, what they have on the schedule. Um, I don't know if if that's if if they're far enough along at this point where, where they're going to be able to push for any sort of um, ACC championship bid. But if they can go out there and put a respectable eight or nine wins up this year, then that would at least be kind of a step in the right direction for that program. Definitely. Definitely. I have one, one other thing I want to add here too. Uh, sh- uh, Jeff and you, I want to make sure you see- <laughs> That you hear this? I was one of the few people on our site to pick Syracuse to, go, to be ball eligible this year. I think I was the only one. That's and, looking pretty good right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Because I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat Purdue. And so they have. I think they have a good chance. I think Dino. I think Dino Babers might be shocking the world here. I don't want to. I don't want to jump out yet and say that he's going to have a season like he had a few years ago, right, where he wraps up nine, ten, nine, ten sorts of wins. But I think they have a good chance to be bowl eligible. That's one of those things where I wish I would have driven over to the MGM Casino across the river here in Maryland and dropped dropped how I felt that day. You know what I mean? Because psychologists always tell you, right? You guys know the psychologists always tell you that your first instinct is the one that you should go with, right? I mean, you've always heard that. And I didn't that day. I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm shout out to, I'm sorry. I don't mean to blow my horn here. And maybe it's a little early, right? It's only the second game of the season, but Syracuse actually romped, romped Connecticut. Not that Connecticut is really an FBS team or even, even, even a group of five team. They're probably, probably should be in the CAA right now at this point, 
but you know, shout out to Syracuse for getting it done when they're supposed to get it done. So anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's all. Go ahead, Jeff. All right, Matthew. And you know, one other game that I'm really looking forward to is um, Texas Tech uh, going to to North Carolina State. Um, you know, the Red Raiders coming off of a of a victory over a previously ranked Houston team and NC State. You know, they struggled the opening week with East Carolina. Uh, looked, you know, good against our overmatched, I think, Charleston Southern team. And you know, we've been waiting for NC State to you know, maybe not necessarily get a signature out of conference victory. And I don't know if Texas Tech would qualify as that, but, um, you know, they've had upper other opportunities like Mississippi State last year, then the UCLA, which was unfortunately canceled to to get a, a power five out of conference win that would, you know, kind of catch people's attention. And I think Texas Tech is, is still good enough and dangerous enough that if, if NC State is the team that we think they are, that this would be a really nice victory and one they should get, but one that's still just a dangerous enough that it, it would be pretty disappointing if NC state can't take care of business. Uh, any thoughts on that game, Brian? Yeah, that's a big one, especially, uh, you know, after we saw them kind of sleepwalk for a little while against uh, East Carolina, um, this is a game that they need to go out there and, kind of assert themselves i feel like if they can't take care uh, of a texas tech then you, you kind of start okay well if you can't take take care of texas tech we're gonna we're not really gonna be able to to kind of keep you at the top the upper echelon of the acc uh in those discussions um because i mean started the season i think a lot of folks had uh had nc state as kind of their their dark horse to to win the conference and I think this is going to go a long way, whether that narrative can can continue forward or if we're going to go ahead and put that to bed pretty early. Okay. Um, Brian, which ACC team could be uh, upset in week three or if they're, if they're looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? I'm going to circle back to UVA on this one, and, and it has a lot to do with what what the Hokies saw in, in week one. Um, you know, they've got ODU, and, you know, we saw firsthand what they can do if you let them hang around for too long. Um, I'm still not sold on what UVA's defense is able to do, and I think, you know, Zach Koontz, the tight end, and Ali Jennings, the wide receiver for ODU, they really could cause some problems on that back end if the UVA front cannot get pressure on Hayden Wolf consistently. The Hokies were able to pressure Hayden Wolf the entire night. Now we didn't get we didn't get home a lot, but we were right there in his face as he was letting the ball go. Um and I'm that UVA is not that type of team on defense yet. So if they're not able to get that pressure, I, I look for for Wolf to be able to make just enough plays and potentially, you know, take UVA down if they're if they come out uh, similar to, to the way they come out against uh, the Illini this week. Okay, uh, Brian, let's step out of the ACC uh, for a bit here. Which national FBS game are you looking forward to the most this week? And we're wide open with this question. This can be a Power 5, non-Power 5 game. You can even have an FCS matchup if it catches your attention. And give us a winner of those games or uh, games that you that caught your eye. So the one that caught my eye is the only other uh, double-ranked matchup that we have this week, and that's the BYU uh, at Oregon game. 
Um, we know that Altson Stadium is a tough place to play, um, but you know, early on, this Oregon team you know, isn't isn't quite what we thought they would be potentially. I know they've got coaching changes and things of that nature that they're working through. Um, but that week one game against Georgia is still kind of standing out in my mind. And, you know, I want to see if this is still, a, you know, a top 25, top 15 caliber caliber team or were they insanely overranked to start the year. Then we can look at BYU as well because, um, you know, they've really – they're trying to elevate themselves kind of into the the same place that their in-state rivals were kind of given by all the preseason pundits with, um, you know, some people having Utah as the, as the team that could, you know, potentially shake up the college football playoff. I don't know if BYU is going to be able to do that with their strength of schedule, but they have just enough, uh, I think, horses on that schedule where they could be in a similar position like Cincinnati if they keep the train moving all year. So I think this is a really interesting matchup. Uh, from from those perspectives, um, but I think I like I like BYU in this game, um, just because I feel like Oregon is still getting adjusted to a new staff, and I'm and I'm not sure if they're ready to kind of put all of the pieces together against a quality opponent like BYU. Okay, that's definitely a, a good choice of games there, um, Brian. Oh, uh, Matt's got another uh, thought here. What do you have here, Matthew? I've got two of them for you, believe it or not. NDSU's going into Arizona and is going to win. I'm calling it today. There you go. That's my first one. They're they're going in there and they're going to win. Second one. Do you guys think that Texas is going to have a little letdown against University of Texas, uh, San Antonio? (laughs) Uh, That's a good good question. That's a really good question because I think they're definitely primed after, you know, being up for a good portion of the game against uh, Alabama, letting that one kind of slide late. Obviously, their their starting quarterback went down in that one. Um, But they've they've got got a pretty good slinger behind them as well. But – um, it's definitely one of those, you know, we saw it, you know, years ago with the Hokies, uh, you know, after Boston college and then turning around and dropping one to a JMU. I mean, we could be looking at a similar type type deal when you lose those, those tough games, those, those games that kind of are, are against matched or better competition. And you, and you kind of go to the wire and then all of a sudden the next week you, you don't quite get, get up for that, um, you know, quotes here, lesser opponent, um, you know, you, you always got to go out there and give your best because on any given uh, Saturday, you know, it, it can go away really quickly. Um, you got to make sure that you're handling your business um, and, and not, again, like the Hokies did, turning the ball over and, and things like that. If you start doing that against another opponent and let them hang in there long enough, it could be problematic. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I mean – I think that the NDSU pick, um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me as either. I mean, I don't know if I have quite your, your confidence, Matthew, but, uh, you know, I could definitely, you know, see that, that happening. Um, and then uh, the other game, what was the other game? Sorry, I, I missed that. University of Texas, San Antonio oh, yeah, is going, let- going to the Longhorns. And I, and I, and I, I actually think the road runners are pretty, I think they're pretty good. 
yeah, they they gave Houston a really tough game earlier in the in the year, and it, it seems almost inevitable that that Texas is going to have a, a, a letdown. I mean, you know, when, when you come really close to kind of an epic upset like that, you always wonder how teams are going to perform the next week. And a lot of times they do have that letdown or in the case of uh, like Texas A&M where they absolutely got shocked, you know, by app state and, and, you know, they're in that position where they're, they're, a lot of their season goals kind of went out the window right there. I mean, if you can't beat app state, you're not going to beat Alabama. You're not winning the sec and you can forget about the playoffs. Um, I, I was actually looking at, you know, what happened to Michigan, you know, the week after they lost to App State in 2007, and they lost by 30 at home to Oregon. And, you know, I wonder if that could be uh, the case uh, with, with A&M. And we've seen plenty of cases where teams, you know, have near upsets uh, only to the next week where they have total letdown. So I think that's a good call, Matthew. Jeff, I'm telling you today that uh, Arizona got drilled by uh, – Mississippi State, who I, I really don't think is great. They got – they NDSU is going to be able to run on them. It's going to be a ball control sort of office sort of game. They're going to be able to run over that defensive line. And you're going to – it's going to feel like a home game because there are a lot of snowbirds from North Dakota that live in Arizona. And – it's going to be it may be it may actually be ridiculous. This is the number 1 FCS team in the country coming to Arizona. I'm sure Arizona did not f- bank on that when they scheduled this years ago and tickets right now are going for $12 for that game, which means that you're going to see probably the lights off in my home state while everybody's in in Tucson. There you go. <laughs> And you know what, Matt Matthew, and what you've been saying, here's a perfect example of the of that Texas game. It just happened this year. I was thinking like, hey, there, I know there's a recent example. Look what Notre Dame, they go on the road at Ohio State, and they basically lead that game for three quarters. You know, a little bit late, Ohio State pulls away. But, you know, Notre Dame, hey, boy, that was a top five team. Um, you know, they're, they're, they lost, but that's a top ten team. What happens? They come home. They play Marshall out of the Sun Belt and get it handed to them. So there, there, there's an example just from this this month of a team pulling off a near upset and having that letdown game. So, I mean, that's a good call to to, to recognize the UTSA. I, th- I think that's Texas is going to have a, you know, they may not and, lose, but it's going to be tough. And Arizona. I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm going to drive. Exactly. I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm driving over to MGM just so you know, Brian and Jeff, and I don't ever do this, and I'm do, and I have to find out if there's something out there. They, if they don't publish a line on that or something like that, I'm really going to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I've kind of derailed that. Yeah, Jeff, you're so up. it's easy money. I'm going to go take some easy money. <laughs> Jeff, I'm hey, sorry, I've derailed it. You're up, but hey, if, if App State can go to Texas A&M, Marshall can go to Notre Dame. And Georgia Southern can go to Nebraska, and the, and the Sun Belt can take care of their business like that. NDSU is definitely capable of knocking off Arizona, and I, I'm going to save that for later. But I got a little rant on that on the on the Sun Belt Conference. Okay, Brian. Uh, next question here: 
you know, we're, we're getting into the thick of the college football season, but always in the back of our minds is, is what's what's the future here of college football and conference expansion and, and conference realignment, um, specifically about the ACC. What, what should the ACC do about conference expansion and realignment going forward? You know, when I look at the ACC, um, you know, right now, probably in the short term uh, relative to the other conferences, They've got a pretty great firewall in place. And the grant of rights you know, seems pretty solid. Um, I feel like if there was going to be some sort of legal challenge to it, it would have been tested already. Um, that said, they are not in a position of strength when we look kind of 10 years down the road um, when all these deals start to reach their end. They really are a distant third in terms of media rights. So I feel like if the ACC wants to survive another 20 plus years, they really need to do kind of what the SEC and the Big Ten have done and and get at least two to three um, of those kind of first or second tier market teams in, into their portfolio. That will help them with bargaining power to potentially renegotiate that media deal ahead of its expiration. Um, and, and it'll really help them, I think, bolster uh, and further insulate them against getting poached by the SEC and the Big Ten in the long term. Um, if we're looking at targets, I think I'm looking probably West Virginia, maybe Notre Dame, and then some of the those teams in the uh, in the Pac-12 specifically because I feel like that's where the most untapped and potential markets are uh, relative to the ACC. Okay, Matthew, I'm gonna turn it over to you as we close out the podcast. Brian, before we get to your open mic, I'm going to use my open mic and I'm going to ask you a question. And I, I'm going to ask you some hardcore, hardcore questions here about Virginia Tech football. That's one of the reasons we have you here. Okay. And these yeah. are, these are, I mean, and these are pr- relatively simple questions here. I went through, I went through the, um, some of the stats yesterday, uh, this morning, and then I looked at them later tonight, the defensive stats in the country. And, and the Hokies actually, are pretty impre- pretty impressive. Now, some of this is probably right now due to the opponents that the Hokies have played, but let me just run through a few of these with you. Right now, the Hokies are number five in total defense, number four in total rushing defense, number nine in first down defense, number 24 in passing yards permitted, number one in the country in third down percentage defense, and number 13 in team passing efficiency defense. Those are just a few of the ones that I saw before we logged on tonight, right? Because they updated the data from about 12 hours ago. Yep. And so my question for you is, I mean, is this, I mean, first of all, those are great stats. Those are stats we used to see. We saw a ball hawking defense that was aggressive that I hadn't seen in really several years. They got to the ball, I mean, it felt like five or six years since I saw some aggressive moves to the ball like I saw last night. And I loved it. And so my question for you is, right now, is this, <clears throat> can the Hopi, Hokies keep this going, this what I'm talking about going, considering the depth that they have and the future opponents? Because I, I think to a degree, the opponents that the Hokies have played haven't really been stellar right now, right? And the, and the you know, the meat of the schedule is coming, right? You know, and the, you know that meat of the schedule is really October, November, for Virginia Tech, and I just I want to get your thoughts on that, considering the depth. But I, I I did like what I've saw what I've seen so far on defense. How much can this extend into the rest of the season? 
so I'll, I'll start off with this. I don't think we're going to finish the season a top 10 defense um, for what, for whatever that's worth. That being said, I really like what I'm seeing so far. And the, the one that stands out for me there is the third down efficiency. Um, that's going to be important when we get into the meat of the, that schedule, because if we continue to get off the field on third down like that, that's going to give us just a lot more opportunities uh, with the ball on offense. As our offense starts to to gel and and figure things out on that side of the ball, which you know we, we're not talking about right now, but um, I I like the way this defense is playing. Um, I like that. Unlike in the ODU game, watching the BC game last night, they were able to get. Um, you know, Breon Murray was off of suspension. We we saw a lot more DJ Harvey out there. Um, so you didn't see the fatigue set in by the corners like you saw against ODU at the end of that game. Um, that helped us, I think, kind of seal the win there last night and kind of put them away in the fourth quarter um, where we weren't able to quite do that even um, against ODU. And just I like the, the, the calls and the aggressiveness that, that pry calls these games um it feels like bud foster but it also feels like um you know the the mix is is working a little bit better against the um the more modern uh offenses that we're looking at now and i think the way he's getting a lot more speed at the linebacker position has really helped um them kind of be good against the run, solid against the run, but but still not a liability in coverage like we've seen in years past. Fair enough, Brian. Fair enough. Open micro time, microphone time for you, Brian. The floor is yours. Well, first, I want to thank uh, both of you for having me on again. It's it's been a pleasure to 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 speak. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the the Wofford game this week. The Hokies take on Wofford, and I think that's big for us. And I'll tell you why because I don't think it's going to be a competitive game. But under Justin Fuente, what we saw a lot, and we saw some of it with ODU, with in terms of the turnovers, but. Um, we haven't done a good job of putting away lesser opponents um, in the last, I'd say, five to ten years. Um, I want to see a home crowd ready to go, and I want to go ahead and have that game over by halftime. I need to start seeing those type of steps if we're going to see some progress with this team. So that's what I'm looking forward to um, in terms of the Hokies coming up this week. Um I'll go ahead and talk about our website a little bit. Uh, we're at BoundaryCornerVT.com. Um, we've got episodes, we do interviews, we do film review, breakdown, all sorts of fun stuff. So go check that out. And that's really all I have. Thank you, Brian. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, I wanted to talk, and I alluded to it earlier. I want to talk a little bit about the, the Sun Belt this weekend. Um, you know, earlier in the, the year, um, Old Dominion had already knocked off Virginia Tech, unfortunately, for the ACC and you guys. But when you look at what they did this weekend, at least they did that at home, that would be like the fourth biggest win from the Sun Belt in the last weekend. Um, and we already talked about it. App State going to Texas A&M, knocking off number six, Texas A&M. Marshall knocking off number eight, Notre Dame in South Bend. And then Georgia Southern going to Nebraska and getting Scott Frost fired, knocking them off. And and what I want to say is, 
you know, we've been moving, you know, when we talk about realignment and expansion, you know, the powers that be out there keep alluding to, hey, look, we're, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to have 40, you know, 45 schools in two conferences um, playing in their own exclusive playoff um, because oh, those are the only schools that compete at the top level. And I give you this weekend from the Sun Belt. I mean, need need you need to see anything else to say that going to, you know, simply two super conference that have their own exclusive playoffs with their 40 or 42, 44 teams and, uh, you know, basically excluding the, the rest of the current power five and the group of five would completely literally be the worst thing that could happen to college football and take away from what you've seen on these weekends um, like this. You know, when an App State can go to a Texas A&M and, and knock them off with the enormous budget that Texas A&M has, the incredible resources they have, um, you know, I, I just hope they come to their senses. You know, these these people that run these conferences and, and are running college football and just recognize that the sport is better with more teams able to to, to be in it and have a chance at the playoffs. And, and thanks goodness, at least with the college football playoff, it looks like we're headed towards the 12 team playoff and um, an auto bid for the, for the top group of five team, because I guarantee the best team from the group of five is capable, maybe not winning the national championship. It, it's really hard to see a group of five team winning, you know, three games, and beating the Alabama type team or Georgia in that final or, or some of the best Clemson teams from the last few years. But I guarantee you when those playoffs start, a group of five team is going to win a playoff game and maybe two from time to time. And I think what we've seen any team that's not in the top two, you know, the top two teams tend to be like really lit, really heavy on NFL talent, but three on down, a group of five team can knock off and, you know, that would just make for a great college football playoff in, in a future. And I just hope that, you know, those, those power brokers in college football recognize what happened this weekend and, and, and how great it was and, and just, you know, kind of put the brakes, you know, on this exclusive football division football that we keep hearing about. <laughs> Absolutely, Jeff. Good call. Good call. Brian, thanks again for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come on the show again sometime, our friend. Thank you so much, man. Thank you again. I appreciate the time, and I'll be glad to hop on anytime. Have a great week, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye.